Hello, folks. This is Samir from Twenty One Leaves, your host. And at Twenty One Leaves, we talk about how to craft a life you love. Our guest today is Kiran Telang, and Kiran Hi. is a financial planning advisor based out of Mumbai in India. And uh, she's crafted a life for herself as a financial advisor. We went to uh, MBA school together, and we're going to talk to Kiran about uh, how she got started. And also, what you know gets people stuck and procrastinating when it comes to financial matters. So, Kiran, welcome. Thanks, Samir. It's such a pleasure to be here talking to you today. It's very unusual uh, for me to be on a podcast with someone who's based out of the USA. So, this is a first for me. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Kiran. Thank you. So, Kiran, you know, let's start with your journey and how you got started into this financial planning career. all right so uh, right after my mba i got into uh, banking you know and banking uh, is somewhere where i didn't really want to be but somehow i ended up in banking and uh, i was uh, in two banks before i quit so banking was the usual stuff you know branch banking talking to customers looking after operations loading atms that was very interesting <laughs> so that was something different that i did uh, so uh, you know while uh, doing all this somewhere at the back of the mind i knew that i always you know wanted to do something on my own but i didn't know what mm-hmm. and i kept looking uh, for answers so i had this thing clear in my head that okay i want a work life balance mm-hmm. and i want to do something that uh, i really enjoy and something that makes a difference to people so all these factors were somewhere back of my mind but i didn't really uh, you know come down to what do i want to do and it so happened that uh, i was uh, i sub- used to subscribe to a magazine called the intelligent investor mm-hmm. which now is called outlook money it's a indian magazine uh, so that magazine carried an article about a certified financial uh, planner as mm-hmm. a career option so the way they described it uh, was you know you get involved into people's finances study what uh, they are doing and you know then you help them with their financial planning and uh, it covered a lot of things which i felt were important in every person's life and i said yeah this is something that i would want to do mm-hmm. and uh, that's when the seed was planted so it actually took me about a year and a half to act on it mm-hmm. i quit my job and i did the cfp certification and then i started uh, on my own so that's how uh, the work in the financial planning arena uh, really started and then you quit your job and you started your own uh, financial yeah so planning. i quit my job and then i started studying so i finished my studies for the certification within a year because then i was fully uh, you know giving my entire time to studies okay. so very very focused studies i passed all the examinations and in the meantime i had already started practicing so at that point in time india did not have, have any advisory regulations you know so it was mm. very much an open market mm. so anybody could start off and as as an advisor so i did know the basics obviously being in banking uh, but this was a totally different ball game so once i did the cfp certification and the financial planning uh, bit came in so it happened simultaneously say over one and a half years after i read this article so i started in 2006 Mm-hmm. i had quit my job in 2005 you know so i took a while to actually start off so you were really committed you you just left your job and said this is now what i want to do huh <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely so <laughs> that uh, i mean that article really made a difference so it mm. was 
uh, I mean, you don't really think that you know reading something in a magazine can change your life so much. Right. But uh, that really gave me the thing that yes, this is what I want to do, and I was very happy. Uh, I mean, I am very happy doing what I'm doing. So it's it's a very uh, satisfying uh, career, so to say. So when you got started, you know, the initial after you got your certification, or even maybe before, how did you find your first set of customers? uh well first set of customers would obviously be the natural market family and friends so mm-hmm. some people whom i knew you know who were investing so i started some investments for them uh and then those people actually uh, when they started talking to me i described to them what is actually financial planning so they said okay this seems interesting i would like to go for it and that's how they got you know moving from investments to financial planning and i created financial plans for a couple of people and incidentally they still happen to be my clients my first <laughs> few clients so they're still around so uh, that's how i started and then uh, gradually obviously it was more of a referral business that came through i uh, did also a lot of uh, media work so there were a lot of articles and uh, you know interviews that happened in the media so all uh, on you know I, i didn't pay anybody to do that there was no pr involved in that so it just happened that financial planning as a profession also Uh, had just uh, been introduced in india so not many people knew about it so while trying to grow the profession as such uh, uh, you know i got into writing uh, in media and uh, that's where i got a lot of inquiries from and then people started referring out so people started referring within their families they started referring friends who they thought would need this kind of uh, you know service and that's how the business grew over the years great great So let's talk about if you know if I were to come to you and seek advice to say you know I I want to do some financial planning for my life career business whatever uh what is the process and what's the process you go through to like onboard a client uh see onboarding a client uh, first starts with a, a conversation where we try to figure out uh, whether we are on the same page in mm-hmm. terms of understanding what we have to offer and what the client is looking for so uh, very often uh, it happens that clients are looking for a specific thing which we don't offer or they want to work in a specific way i'll give you an example uh, i get clients who want to you know maybe give me a chunk of money and say that okay we'll see how uh, you perform within a year and okay. then we will get the entire you know money to you but that doesn't work with me Mm. so the financial planning way is different or somebody would just be looking at you know maybe uh, doing specific trades like some momentum investing in stocks or things like that so we don't really do that kind of thing uh, we are more into a uh, long term association you know create a financial plan and then work on that and get everything sorted so investment is a part of it but it is not the entire financial uh, planning bit so first we have this conversation we try to understand whether uh, you know we will be able to work together and uh, once uh, we agree that okay this is a good uh, you know a good fit fit then we go ahead and sign the agreement and then there is the usual uh, uh, steps of financial planning where we collect data from the client what they have done so far uh, we discuss about goals we discuss about dreams and aspirations uh, we usually uh, in, uh, in a family i mean it's the couple who comes to us so we insist that uh, both the husband and the wife uh, should come to us because they are both they have to be there you know usually right. otherwise women tend to take a back seat and don't get involved in finances uh, so we have these discussions we gather the data at the back end then we start preparing the financial plan uh, we prepare a draft plan and send it to the clients mm-hmm. uh, they go through it and probably for a lot of them it is the first time that they are seeing their financial life in one place mm-hmm. you know so they are able to get the sense of the entire thing rather than bits and pieces of what they have done so far 
So once the draft plan is sent, we have a discussion as to whether I have understood correctly or there are any gaps or would they want to change, uh, you know, things that we had discussed in our initial uh, uh, data gathering call or the goal setting uh, process. So looking at that thing, things sometimes change and then we modify and finalize the plan. So once the plan is in place, that basically gives them a direction to where they want to go. Mm -hmm. And then we start following the path. But obviously, life changes, things yeah. change. Uh, so, you know, the financial plan is just a starting point. Whereas I would say financial planning is more uh, like an ongoing uh, navigation. So okay. you change paths. There could be several paths which, uh, you know, can take you to your destination. So based on the situation, based on where your life takes you, mm -hmm. you can uh, actually make changes and, uh, you know, continue going in the direction that you are actually looking at. So that's how the entire uh, process goes. And you talked about the, you know, you set up a financial plan. Like very right. broadly, what are the big components of that plan? Okay. Uh, so a financial plan uh, always starts with goal setting. So see, it's like uh, if you want to reach a place, you start, uh, like if you put it in a map, so you start from place A, you want to go to place B, mm. right? So you put that uh, starting point and the end point. And then there are several routes that open up for you. So what is the route that you would like to take? So we start with goal planning. Then there is analysis of the data. So what vehicles have you used so far to reach where you are? Do you need a change of vehicle? So there could be things which are not right, which are not taking you in that direction where you want to go. So then uh, there is that analysis and then elimination of things that are not fitting the entire uh, uh, you know, plan. And then we bring in things which are missing. So all those components are there. So these components could include, uh, you know, risk management uh, um, things. So we start with goal setting, then there is risk management. So basically creating of your emergency fund uh, where that can help you in any kind of situation, which is uh, unforeseen. Uh, we set up all the insurances that are required, your health insurance, your life insurance, accident, critical illness, you know, all those kind of things. So what is the need if there is a gap? Uh, then we uh, look at uh, all the investments that are there. Uh, what else is required? What is the amount that you need to invest? If there is a resource uh, shortfall, how do you meet up that? So there is a cash flow analysis, which we do. Okay. So actually, you know, help people figure out whether they are saving enough, what is their capacity, what is the possibility of, you know, creating wealth. All those things are done. And uh, uh, then there is a plan drafted as to uh, the actionables. So what do you mm -hmm. actually go and do? So once you know the picture, then you draft the actionables and then the implementation part happens. Uh, for a lot of people, we give basic uh, advice on estate planning as well in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, what is available in India, wills nomination, whether there is a requirement of a trust. And uh, then based on specific requirements, we do the will and uh, estate planning for uh, individuals also. So that is uh, like end to end. So what you want today, where you are, where you want to go and after you, what happens. So the entire gamut is covered. And then we keep a, a review going on every year okay. so that you are in the correct direction all the time. You know, when it comes to like risk management, what have you found when you work with clients over the years? How do people like look at risk? How do you advise people about risk? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. So uh, see, for most people, they want no risk and highest returns. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so that is that is a myth that does not exist. So there there are always risks. So we try to explain to them, uh, you know, uh, about how risks uh, can plan out and how they can impact what uh, we are planning. So we have a psychometric uh, risk profiling tool which we use, so which okay. throws up some uh, options and uh, it throws up what they are actually thinking and 
if they choose a particular portfolio, how would it have performed in the hindsight if you look at, you know, back data? So more often than not, there is a pairing of expectations that happens at that stage. So if you're expecting X kind of return, probably with the kind of portfolio that you're choosing, you might not get that return. So you pair down your expectations. Also, there is among couple, there could be wide differences. So couples can have very differing uh, risk profiles, whereas yeah. they have common goals. You know, so how do you bring them on the same page? How do you manage those uh, yeah. things so that both of them can sleep well and you don't compromise on achievement of the goals also? So uh, in terms of these risks, so we uh, work on three parameters. One is the risk tolerance, which is thrown up by the risk profiling that we do. Second is the risk capacity. Right? Mm. So how much risk mm. can they actually afford to take at whatever stage they are in, in their life? Mm. And third is the risk required. So risk required is that if they have a certain goal set up for themselves, they uh, will need to take some amount of risk to reach that goal. Right. right? So if they are very conservative and their goals are uh, uh, you know, pretty big, then how do they actually uh, reach there? So they will have to uh, adjust the risk. Uh, tolerance that they have basically they cannot stay conservative otherwise they'll have to compromise on their goal so based on these three parameters we try to you know figure out what will be the most suitable portfolio for them and you know maybe uh, this question is you know maybe if you don't want to answer it that's fine but what's the what's the biggest audacious goal you've come across that someone has uh, i want to achieve this so, uh, you see, actually uh, speaking, uh, in the financial plan, the retirement goal is pretty huge. So the mm. kind of you know aspirations and lifestyle people have today mm. for a youngster uh, in India, uh, you know, maybe a 22-year-old who's just starting off in a job, the mm. goal could be as big as 25 crores. Mm. So, you know, in your first job, a 25 crore kind of corpus building is uh, by itself quite huge. Mm. Uh, but uh, I have seen people who come up with random numbers that they want to achieve. It could be like, okay, I just want to reach 10 crores. And they are anyways going to reach there because, uh, you know, because of certain things that we have put in place, but they are in such a hurry to reach there mm. that, uh, you know, it becomes pretty yeah. audacious that they're very, very, very uh, energetic about the mm. entire thing and they want to reach there fast. So yeah. goals, goals are, uh, yeah, retirement goal, I think is pretty big mm. for most people. You know, I mean, when it comes to financial planning, many people either put it off or they, you know, procrastinate. They don't, they don't put the things, even if sometimes we give a plan, I'm sure people don't implement the plan. Uh, you know, what have you found that propels people into action? Uh, see, honestly speaking, in my case, I think this is still work in progress. I'm still figuring out, uh, mm -hmm. you know, how to nudge people into action because people will not really... Uh, act on the plan that is given to them unless they feel it that it is important it has to be from their side you know we know that it is important but for them it has to be important so there are several techniques which i use i have not found one sure short way of uh, you know <laughs> pulling <laughs> yeah. them into action so sometimes i try to figure out what is it that is stopping them from actually doing it mm. so a lot of times it could just be procrastination sometimes uh, there could be some fear lurking at the back, the back of the mind that if mm. I get into this and if I get stuck, then what? Mm. Or if you know, if you commit yourself to saving a certain amount and then you're not able to do it, mm. or if you are, uh, you know, committing and putting that amount of saving on a month on month basis, how is it going to impact the lifestyle? Mm. So, you know, there are these kind of fears which are lurking behind. So I try to address those. So, maybe you know start small and then gradually see how you feel about it and then move to it there could also be other things in terms of we were talking about risk right mm. so people could be uh, 
thinking of something and actually what we are doing in the plan could be very different mm-hmm. so a lot of times uh, you know if there is that difference where the risk required is higher and we have asked them to do something away from what they are most comfortable with mm-hmm. they might not want to uh, you know right. actually put it into action so there are there are various things i'm still learning so behavioral finance is a very interesting area so i think it's a work in progress for me yet and i'm sure when you work with you know couples there must be very interesting conversations and maybe you, you may again have to do some counseling with them <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it does happen so yeah a lot of times i mean uh, there are a lot of issues which the couples have never discussed among themselves uh, i had a couple where the wife did not know how much the husband is earning so that is the first time uh, that conversation happened at that point in time wow. and uh, there could be usually you know differences uh, come up in terms of uh, major goals as in how do you want to bring up your children in terms of where do you want to educate them so some sometimes uh, one parent wants to send the child abroad for higher studies the other parent is not willing uh, same thing with you know sending them to boarding school mm-hmm. so one parent would agree other parent wouldn't agree so those are the differences that come through and that definitely impacts the way the implementation of the plan is going to happen because if uh, you don't have a full buy in from both the partners it becomes difficult to move ahead so yes a lot of counseling happens in these sessions <laughs> great so let you know let's maybe talk about health and health is not usually connected with financial planning but you know if you plan for finances uh, health is another thing that you have to really pay attention to in your life and then do you see any similarities between long term planning and between health and financial planning that you do i think there are a lot of similarities it's a very interesting question uh, so if we come to it uh, both financial planning and maintaining your health are pretty simple things mm-hmm. you know in health we always say there are three things uh, eat well sleep well and exercise right so if you just do these three things in moderation and on a continuous basis you will stay healthy unless of course there are things like you know right. covid and things that come in which are beyond your control or similarly in financial planning as long as you are spending less than what you uh, uh, what you earn you're investing it wisely and you're doing it on a consistent basis you will create wealth mm. right so it is as simple as that but to get those things in place it's a whole a big drama that happens and you yeah. have to do so many things to actually make that uh, you know that end result uh, uh, okay. to happen properly i think there there are these lot of similarities again uh, a lot of people in terms of health also people uh, kind of don't want to uh, use external help they don't want instructors okay. they don't want dietitians okay. they are mostly diy mm. so likewise in financial planning there is so much uh, about money and about finance and various products okay. that is available today so there is lot of information available so people try to do it themselves and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. uh, if they choose the wrong person to follow or the wrong advice uh, then they might end up losing time and money so then it becomes a little difficult to get back on track you know so i think there are similarities in both fields uh, the pros and cons both yeah no but i i think you pointed out a good thing which is you know asking for external help whether it's a personal trainer dietitian or in your case a financial planner Uh, sometimes people are hesitant to do it they think they can do it all by themselves by googling things and it's true, not true. sometimes that easy right. that's right that's right so kiran i have a final question but before that um, is there anything else that uh, you would like to mention before sort of we end uh, and ask i ask the final question to you 
anything uh, I think that you would discussed... like to say to the audience and anything that we have not discussed do you think we should have you know spoken about i think we have discussed quite a bit uh, i would always say that uh, you know when we talk about financial planning it's always better to get a financial plan done you know at least get your health check in place so mm-hmm. like you go for your annual health checks at least uh, once in a while go to a financial planner get your uh, you know things checked so a lot of times people think that they are all right they don't even know there is a problem mm-hmm. and by the time they actually arrive for help it's too late or it's too expensive to right. make the corrections so uh, when you have your uh, bigger life decisions happening uh, i would suggest that it could be a good idea to spend a little bit on you know taking professional uh, financial advice so that can save you a lot of uh, money in the long run and you will be at peace that you are on the correct path sounds good sounds good so kiran this last question uh, i have actually taken it from another podcast which i really like is patrick oshan is shone says uh, invest like the best podcast and i really like this question and that's why i ask it is what's the kindest thing someone has done for you that's really interesting so uh, i think life itself is a series of kindnesses you know small things done on a daily basis so it can't be just one thing that you can point at mm-hmm. small things like in my case uh, my family supporting me all the way through so whenever i have these uh, uh, you know uh, discussions or travel uh, related to work there is always family support without which things will not move you know unless you are kind of settled in the house you really can't take on uh, other responsibilities uh, there are colleagues in the industry who are so helping and uh, so kind so whenever there is any problem so in entrepreneurship what happens is it's a very lonely uh, kind of profession you know so when you're an entrepreneur you need all kinds of help at you know different points in time so uh, the community has been very very helpful and very kind in uh, lending help whenever it was asked for so i think that has been a, a running a kind of a thing so all these kindnesses i think add up and make it a very nice place to be wonderful wonderful kiran we will put your contact and uh, how to get in touch with you in the show notes and uh, thank you so much for coming on and it's been uh, lovely talking to you after so many years i think after college we had not uh, connected but thank you so much Thanks Samir it was an absolute pleasure talking to you and I hope we do more such sessions in the future thank you so much for having me over thanks Kiran